the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Boxing fans have been waiting for Floyd Mayweather to fight Manny Pacquiao for six years. Considered two of the greatest fighters of this generation. Tickets have not gone on sale for the, the fight that was recently announced, but they're expected to be about $5,000 for ringside and about $1,000 elsewhere. That's going to result in a gate of over $40 million. And that will double the record gate ever for a boxing match. Interesting. Wall Street's all about product. Uh, you can't, I don't think you can invest in Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather, but it does bring into, you know, question again of like whoa it's all about product right amex said it's going to increase rates on over 1 million card holders ultimately the card processing business is changing a bit and it's expensive to use amex you know a lot of retailers are like no we don't want to use amex because it's too expensive uh and amex lost a antitrust case recently so combine that with losing costco as a sole provider of credit cards to be used at Costco. They only take Amex. It's crazy, right? Uh, cash for Amex. And uh, Amex had to do something to raise you know, money uh, to bring in more revenue, thus to keep profits growing. I, I don't know if raising rates on a million card users is wise. I, I just don't know. But Wall Street thinks it's wise. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton with New Focus Financial com or at newfocusfinancial.com. He's with New Focus Financial. We've got seminars coming up, wealth preservation, retirement planning. You can learn more about them at robblack.com. So let's talk retirement products. These are topics that might come up at the seminar coming up. What retirement products, and that's a funny way of looking at it. The financial business is all about products. Yeah, well, one of the newest ones that I'll start with that one first because people aren't hearing about it too much is longevity insurance. Longevity insurance. So longevity insurance is an insurance policy that you can buy that if you live past you typically 85, it'll kick in and pay a, a pretty decent benefit. And the payoffs are fairly decent in terms of a if you would invest in yeah. something different than have a lump sum at that age. Um, and then it pays you as long as you live. 
There's also products out there, Rob, that you when, can when now... Do you, when do you buy that? You, you buy it at retirement ages, like when you retire. Okay. 65 plus, typically. So you pay um, it for 20 years, and then you hope that you hope that you're still alive. And then if you live and you're healthy at 85, you could live another 15, 20, 25 years. This is the two sisters now that have lived to like 120? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're making Two oldest living siblings ever. Uh, um, so in their situation, they would have been very well paid off on a, on some sort of a product. I've never met anybody that's bought it yet, nor have I recommended it. Okay. But there's um, some there's a lot of variable annuities out there that say no matter what you invest in, whatever you invest, they'll pay you five to six percent for the rest of your life. It's not a principal guarantee. Yeah. It's an income for life guarantee, and it's good to have about twenty to thirty percent of your retirement needs coming from guaranteed lifetime income, whether it's Social Security, pension, or you do it your own. If you do it your own and you use one of these variable annuities that offer that lifetime income guarantee, make sure it's no load, very low fees, really good investment choices. Because a lot of the way that those charges for for commission-based brokers is that it eats into your principal so much, what you end up leaving your spouse or your heirs is very, very small. Okay, so it benefits you while you're alive, but what if you die? The money's going to go to your spouse or your heirs, so it costs you too much. But there's also products out there now being sold on balanced portfolios where you can buy insurance. So you can set up a balanced portfolio and buy insurance for like one, one and a half percent a year of extra fees that says this balanced portfolio will provide me income for the rest of my life. So that's kind of the latest trending product out there in retirement. Are those products going to stick around? Because that's one thing that I worry about with insurance products. Like um, a lot of businesses are getting out of the annuity business because they didn't think people were going to live that long and they didn't plan for it successfully. And they're getting out of the reverse mortgage business, right. banks, another bank just left recently. Um, another company is drastically changing. One of the There's really only four or five really good, decent long-term care providers out there, long-term care insurance right. providers. And one is uh, getting rid of the spousal 40% discount. It's usually a lot cheaper for spouses to buy. That's going away. Lifetime benefits are going away. Premiums are increasing. Um, th- those types of things are becoming more expensive as people live a lot longer. So it's really becoming more and more important to make sure you don't retire too early and build up a nest egg that's more than you think you're going to need. It's kind of a crazy concept. Um, you know, in, under age 60, you think of, let's keep our insurance practical. You know, let's you know, not pay the insurance guy too much, but you're telling me that you could buy longevity insurance and you could basically place a bet on whether you're going to live past 85 and start dwindling your assets down. It's crazy the products that's out there. I mean, if you kind of think about it in general, if you've got, you know, let's say 30% of your portfolio, you buy that type of insurance on. Right. Where you're paying an extra one, one and a half percent in in annual fees just to have that peace of mind in the background. And a lot of times I'll run into two people and, you know, married couple, one's more aggressive, one's very conservative. And the conservative person, a lot of times it's that lifetime guarantees and making sure that they're protected if one of them goes into a nursing home. It's really important for them to be able to do those things before they retire. So you got to, you know, there's some give and take in, in spouses when they retire and setting up portfolio and buying, uh, you know, types of retirement products that are out there. Another one that I think that'll start to pick up traction, um, uh, now it's a little tough with yields so low in bonds because they're kind of price-based on treasuries, but there's things called structured note CDs where right. you can buy CDs that are three to ten years long. And instead of having an annual interest rate, your, your, your return isn't calculated until the end of maturity. And it's based on the movement of different indexes like the S&P 500 um, or some international indexes where you'll get, as long as you keep the CD for three to 10 years, depending on the length you buy, it's FDIC insured, and you'll get, say, 45% of the upside of those indexes, but no downside risk. So if CDs are paying you know, less than half a percent, 
and you could get 40% of an upside of an index over that period of time, a lot of people will start looking at those as well. you got to be careful on fees on all these products, whether it's structured notes, variable annuities, uh, fixed annuities, bonds, reverse mortgages, longevity insurance. None of these things are free. Right. That's why you work with a person that is certified financial planner, but they have to be able to say they're a fiduciary and they, they're fee-based. They're not commission-based. Come meet Chad Burton at a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event soon. Find out more about that at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And the big event is coming up tomorrow night. It's a webinar, actually, not a seminar. And that means you get to watch it from the connection of your Internet-based computer. Not sure if it works with smartphones. I should probably check that out. Uh, With that out there, it is a webinar tied towards income and retirement. And it's a pretty good event. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. Yeah, want to have income from age 60 to 100 that's more than just Social Security. And uh, structuring that, you want to be in guaranteed money. Some of it you want to be in short-term cash. You want to be replenishing that short-term cash so that you're not having to sell something in a down market. Horrible time to do it, especially if you like the position you're in. And you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't sometimes. So um, sign up at robblack.com. That's tomorrow night. Hedge funds are out there. And um, there's 668 hedge funds that got analyzed recently. And they hold about $882 billion in equity. And what's interesting is a lot of these companies own the same names because they have characteristics that hedge funds like. DirecTV, Delta, Citigroup, Yahoo, Microsoft, GM, AIG, Liberty Global, Medtronic, Facebook, all pretty solid names. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Big webinar coming up tomorrow night. Hopefully, I'll see you there at the webinar. I won't see you. I'll see your computer connection. Uh, still a couple rooms to sign up at. Spaces to sign up at robblack.com. Let's talk a little fixing your credit. Let's welcome in Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez is a mortgage lender. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony, fixing your credit. That's something we've all been there, gotten into a late payment. I have one in the last five years. And my story is kind of goofy. It was a mortgage payment that Mm -hmm. I sent in the payment. They didn't cash the check. Uh Uh-oh. Then they notify me, and they say, okay, now that you're almost late, send it to this P.O. box. And I thought I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, and that's the worst one to, to pay late is the mortgage, especially if you're looking at other kind of uh, real estate transactions, because it really hangs on there for quite a while, no matter what your credit score is. It dings my credit? Yeah. Uh, credit score has the biggest effect on your 
uh, rate in almost any product that you're going to get, whether it's a credit card, a car loan, or a mortgage. The mortgage, obviously, is going to be the largest expense because you're going to pay that over 30 years, and it can really add up. The difference between a 640 score and a 740 score on a, a traditional type of, of loan is about 1%. On a $400,000 loan, that's $200 a month more that you're spending because you have a lower credit score. So the first thing I would do is get a copy of your credit report. You can go to annualcreditreport.com, or you can go to your creditor. Let's say you're doing a, a transaction of some sort. Hopefully, they'll be able to show you the, the, the credit report. Check for accuracy. Make sure that everything's on there. And if there's some things that you can fix that are easy, try to do it on your own or use that creditor. If they're a lot more difficult, then you can try using some of these invasive credit card companies and they uh, credit repair companies and they can range in price from $85 a month to a one-time $2,000, $3,000 fee depending on how bad it is and how um, what's the necessity of, of how quickly you need it. So What's ironic or what's odd about a credit score is you have to use credit and maintain credit to have a good credit score. Right. There's a lot of misconceptions about how to keep your credit good yeah. and how to improve your credit. I, for instance, grew up as a young man thinking, if I have no credit card debt, they'll love me because I pay off my credit card, where mm -hmm. a credit card company wants you to carry a balance because that's how they make money. And it's also how the, it's part of their algorithms that they use to calculate your actual credit. You have to use your credit cards. The best way to do on a card is 30% of the limit. So if you have a limit of 10000 you want to keep it below 3000 But you want to keep using it. You definitely want to, don't want to pay it off every month. Your credit score will be lower than somebody who actually has 10 credit cards they pay on time and keep their balances low. Another way to keep your credit uh, clean is, is keep, keep accounts open and don't close them. But definitely make sure you manage them and they don't get stolen. And, and, and that brings up another point, too. You also want to keep, you want to keep them an open. eye on your account. Well, before we go there, keeping your credit lines open mm -hmm. ages the account, the well, average years that you've had credit. So if you open up a lot of new credit cards, mm -hmm. you're, you've only had credit maybe from five years will go down to one year because you just opened right. five new credit cards. So Correct. All, all those years of, of paying on time just got watered down because you opened up too many new credit cards. Yeah, there's, there's several factors that will affect your credit, um, your lower balances, uh, accuracy, collections, time, new accounts. Uh, the, there's three bureaus. There's Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And add a .com at the end of each one of those, and you can go and get your own credit report. You can also d do disputes. This is when you want to do your fixing your credit on your own. You can do a dispute through that agency or that bureau. Um, or you can use your creditor to do what they call rapid rescores. If you need a really quick transaction and there's something easy, maybe it was a, a mistake on your credit report, you can show up a bill and say, I did really pay this, and you can do a rapid rescore. And sometimes there's a big difference. Like if you're doing a rental property and you're buying an investment property, there's minimum scores you need to meet if you have a certain down payment. And some people need to do these types of rapid rescores. So getting in front of your credit is important. We talked about monitoring your credit. There's some good tools that you use. For instance? Credit Karma is one. Credit Karma? That's an app on a phone? It's an, it's an app, but what it, it, it may not be the most effective tool to managing your, your credit, but it gets you involved. It's, it tells you that all your accounts that are on there, what your balances are. And it also alerts you if, this, if new, new entries come up, new inquiries, and, and new credit. So it's a way that people get involved, and I think that everyone should be involved in their credit because it has such an impact in the, in the financial industry. Good idea. And one last final thought that I want to throw out there is to improve your credit score, go out and get a credit. You know, Go 
put a thousand dollars on your credit card and start paying it off slowly. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but if you really, really, really want to improve your credit, that's one way of doing it. Show that you could pay on time. We've been talking with Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about investing in tobacco. Good idea, bad idea. Whether it be Philip Morris or Altria, Reynolds American or Lori Lard, two of the four of the, I guess you could say three, uh, Philip Morris is the U.S. Um, cigarette company that does business overseas, and, Philip, and Altria is one that does business in the United States. Tobacco makers struggle with, you know, unit growth slowdowns as fewer people smoke. Smoking might be bad for you for sure, but the stocks generated extremely healthy gains. The rise of so-called e-cigarettes or vaping is a new threat to tobacco products, but despite those demand risks, these stocks have been winners for investors. Um, Should you own a tobacco stock, it's up to you. Uh, My father passed away from cancer, and I own a tobacco stock. Um, I have to be able to separate that because I like the dividends. At some point in time, do I think these guys will be gone? Maybe. Um, And I don't think they're for everyone because there is that risk that, you know, fewer people are smoking. But you keep hearing the stories about emerging markets and, you know, growth of um, jobs overseas. Right now you're hearing about a shrinkage in global markets, but... You're, overall, you're hearing more people are working. Um, I think as they do, they tend to, you know, do things like smoke. Um, as we create, you know, as we're not, I'm not going to say we're going to end poverty because that'd be crazy. But as you know, capitalism spreads, and what, what it looks like is going to be different in every country. But I think some perks like smoking are are part of the story. Uh, but again, these are stocks not for everyone. Don't forget to get a big webinar coming up tomorrow night. Um, I'd love to see you there. Um, it kind of supports what I do. It shows me that you care and you're listening. Build a retirement portfolio that lasts. Um, bonds, they make sense in a low-rate environment. Bond alternatives to consider. You know, I'm not a big bond guy uh, because basically I'm doing a show for people between the ages of 20 and 60. In retirement, I'm more of a bond guy. But I don't do a show about life and retirement. I do about a show about creating wealth. Anyhow, so you'll hear more bond talk tonight, tomorrow night. You can sign up for the webinar at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen. 
chief economist at briefing.com. My favorite way to start the day. Um, obviously, reading page one, but uh, Dr. Jeff is in charge of the economic section. Uh, how are you doing today, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? Good, good. Uh, a slow day. The news is out there. It's not terribly exciting today. Um, the housing starts is the only big economic one that I could, not the housing starts, excuse me. Uh, the housing numbers that came out today was the big economic story that I'm reporting on. How about yourself? Are you seeing anything big out there? No, I think that um, you know we have the testimony of Yellen today and yesterday, and I think what, you know what's going on today is just going to be a mirror of what we heard yesterday. Uh, the new home sales numbers were nice that came out this morning. It was one of the few uh, numbers this month that has actually exceeded expectations. I mean, it still declined very, very modestly from. Uh, from last month's, from December numbers, but uh, it easily topped expectations, and, and that was nice. So Yellen puts Fed path on on, on a, Yellen's put the Fed on a path to raise rates, uh, lift rates accordingly. That's kind of what I'm getting out of this whole testimony. Not a lot else. Uh, what are you getting out of it? Um, well, two things. One, you know, that Yellen wants to raise rates at some point in the nearer future than I would expect. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at CPI trends. I'm looking at core trends. I'm looking at even, you know, mean uh, uh, CPI trends, mean PC trends, mean trimmed trends, and they're all down. And, you know, is that a point where you want to raise rates when inflation is decreasing? You know, yeah, the unemployment rate is closing in on what the CBO considers full employment, but is the unemployment rate a true measure of what the um, economy is really producing at? You know, I would argue it's probably biased. So, uh, you know, the real unemployment rate is probably a little bit higher, if not a lot higher. So if you have labor slack and you have downward trending inflation, why are you in the rush to increase interest rates? You know, to me, that was a little discouraging. I wanted her to be a little bit more dovish than what she's been sounding, but she hasn't changed her her um, you know nuances, her expectations in several months. So I didn't expect to hear anything different, and I think she said what you know everybody expected her to say. I was just hoping that uh, she would come around more towards my viewpoint than uh, than what her her common viewpoint is right now. The other uh, point that I was very pleased to hear actually came from um, one of the senators on the Republican side, um, Corker from Tennessee. Now, we've been hearing a lot, uh, especially from the conservative wing of the Republican Party, about the audit the Fed uh, type of enactments that they want, especially from, from Rand Paul. And Corker went through the list of everything that of the Fed that's being audited coming to the conclusion that, you know, there is no reason to have a new audit the Fed policy because the only reason for it is to politicize the uh, monetary policy decision-making of the Fed. And it's very difficult to find any economist on any side of either monetarist or Keynesian, you know, freshwater, saltwater, whatever your viewpoint is, the well, you know, majority of economists, and like I said, I don't think I've seen any mainstream economists actually uh, come out in favor of audit the Fed. You know, everybody's saying, you know, don't audit the Fed. 
So the fact that a, a Republican came out to support the, you know, the idea that the audit of the Fed is a bad thing was was very nice to my ears. Okay. One thing that I heard one of the senators say yesterday was tied towards wage inflation, because what Walmart did by announcing that they're going to up wages, and then today TJ Maxx doing the same thing, um, that it could lead to inflation. Is there any truth in that, or do you do you know what I'm talking about as far as uh, what the senator said, or, or is it too abstract of a reference for you? No, no, it's exactly what we want to happen. You know, what we okay. want is you know, profit margins of businesses to come down a little bit because they're increasing uh, labor, labor costs. You know, that could be from hiring more people, but it also could be from increasing wages. Now, when you have an unemployment rate, you know, in, in the mid-fives, and the CBO claims that the full employment rate is right around that, you know, I think it's like 5.3 or 5.4. So we're at a point where businesses should theoretically be having trouble attracting new talent and theoretically having trouble keeping their talent at current wages. You know, in order to, in order to get employees that you trust, that, that work well, that are productive, you have to pay them. And the increase in wages by Walmart and you know, TJ Maxx and whatnot could be a sign that's saying, you know, even at these more low-skilled jobs, we're having trouble finding employment, you know, good productive employment, and we're willing to pay for that. And that's what you would expect. You'd expect that to, to move up and down the entire labor spectrum. So wages should grow, which would boost inflation. So far, you know, you've heard anecdotal evidence of that. You've been seeing it in, you know, another number which we look at um, in the JOLTS report. It's the number of job openings. You know, you're seeing a lot of job openings, but relatively weak hiring, you know, signifying that there's, you know, a lot of difficulty in finding suitable talent. And in order to find suitable talent, you have to do something about it. And the only way to do something about it is to raise wages. Is there any negative ramification from this? Is it, uh, are we going to suck profits out of corporate America and then the stock market's going to start plummeting? Or is this just, it looks like a good balance to you? No, it's a transfer because you're pulling okay. money from the business that's being used possibly inefficiently if it's being saved putting it in the consumer's hand, which will either invest it back in the businesses through the equity market or they'll buy stuff, which will increase revenues. So it, it doesn't impact the stock market in a negative way. It's more of a transfer, maybe some kind of a delay. Uh, and at this point, where inflation is, you, know, you have an inflation downward trending. We're well below target. Expectations are that we're going to remain well below target for uh, you know the next you know ten years or so, so you know, if we're actually seeing wage growth, it's a positive sign for the economy. It's a sign that uh, we're finally seeing an acceleration in economic growth. Any other economic data out there today or recently that we should be highlighting? I we were looking at the. Uh, the new home sales numbers today, and uh, I was having a discussion with um, with Patrick O'Hare. You know, the if you look at the price premiums for a new home versus an existing home, a new home, the average new home costs about a hundred thousand dollars more than a uh, similar existing home. 
You know, both have supply constraints, so you can't blame supply, you know, tire supply in the new home sector versus the existing home sector. What you're seeing is, you know, basically a change in the way builders are producing. You know, they're definitely having to produce for more high-end homes. You're not seeing the starter homes that you would normally expect that would, you know, bring the average back down. The problem is that the amount of people that could buy homes are shrinking. You know, if you look at back from about 2000 to 2007, the premium was only about $20,000 on average, and it didn't have much fluctuation. So we're seeing a big increase in that. You know, it's, it's making it more difficult, and I don't know how much more these um, these builders can get from a little bit of a problem. Now, you know, Patrick said today that he believes you know it's not a big deal because rates are at you know 3.9% and you know an extra $100,000 is only about $400 a month extra in or, or higher increase in your 30 year mortgage rate so you know as long as mortgages stay low that buyer's premium is you know perfectly suitable and you know builders can do well and you saw i guess toll brothers showed a, a nice quarter and you know that makes sense considering what we've seen but uh, i'm concerned over the long run and a hundred thousand dollar price premium to me seems really large the median size of a completed house last year grew to 2415 square feet um, which is part of these numbers it's fascinating to look at as the economy goes so goes the size of the house we're not at record sizes at this point in time but we're growing back towards the McMansions again. Um, anything else that you uh, are working on or find interesting at this point? Well, I mean, tomorrow we have durable goods numbers. I'm, uh, I, I think they're going to be really bad. Um, you know, the consensus right now is is a significant rebound from uh, last month's. I think we'd have three and a half or three point four percent decline. Uh, the consensus is mainly focused on the fact that big declines are generally shown as big rebounds the next month. Now, I was looking at Boeing's numbers over the last several weeks, and they're terrible in terms of orders growth. And you know, orders in the aircraft industry play a big role in month-to-month movements in durable goods. And if that's true, we're going to have another negative month this, co- this month. Thank you very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. I was just looking over some of the columns that he's written and some of the economic events that are on his calendar tomorrow. Obviously, the big one's going to be durable orders, um, and the expectations are for shrinkage. So that doesn't – that should make a, a negative headline. You know, economy, GDP numbers, um, the financial media will jump on it as, like, is this a problem? And we know it's going to be a problem because it's already indicated in expectations that it's, it's down 3-plus percent. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Bob Black. You can find more about briefing at briefing.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, last week, Warren Buffett disclosed that he had bought a stake in John Deere. And last week, John Deere comes out with awful earnings numbers. Does that make Warren Buffett look stupid or dumb or bad at what he does? Not really. Stock's gone up um, in that period of time. And technically, it looks pretty cheap. It's trading at 10 times this year's earnings, about 8 times next year's earnings. Compare that to the market. Look at how many people can do what John Deere does. You know, build big tractors and uh, cranes and things like that. I can't do that. Let's go to Mitch in San Jose. Mitch, how are you? Uh, good. How are you doing, Rob? Doing well. Yeah, I had a question. I wanted your opinion on Monsanto. It's a stock that I've owned for a little while, and it's kind of done what I wanted it to do. And um, I don't know, in the back of my mind, I don't want to get stuck if the uh, whole world kind of goes anti-GMO and for some reason the stock starts dropping on that. So I just wanted your opinion if I'm... Uh, that's a valid thinking, or, or maybe the stock's overvalued or undervalued. What price did you pay for Monsanto? Um, it's like seventy, I think. Okay, so you've done great. Um, have you considered maybe selling half and, you know, buying something that gives you a little more diversification? Or yeah, is this I, just... uh, yeah I, I always find the hardest thing to do is to sell. You know, to, to find the, that point where I'm kind of re- ready to part with the stock. So. Getting that feeling now, I guess. I don't know. Well, I, I'm not so sure. I like Monsanto for the long-term investment idea. Um, there's, and thanks for the call. It's just that trend that you know, agricultural conferences out there. You know, there's um, companies like Agrium. There's just not that many players in the world of drought-tolerant um, seeds. Um, it's interesting, Wall Street Journal did a report recently on Monsanto and Deer planning to increase cybersecurity, which is not something you think of um, as far as what these companies need and don't need. Um, let me take a quick look. I want to see if there's anything from their last earnings that jumped out. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people going long it. Um, you could go, if you wanted to go with another seed company, you'd potentially go with Syngenta, um, DuPont maybe. Global corn ending inventory rose about two-tenths of a percent. Um, so obviously, you know, fertilizer names, farm machinery names, irrigation names, livestock names, uh, they all would have a play when we see how much corn is out there and not. I'm trying to see... Technically, it looks pretty good. DuPont fourth quarter sales feel a pinch up the strong. Okay, so Monsanto is probably something to think about is the strong dollar. Hmm. Seeing interest following. Yeah, it seems like it just moves heavily on the inventory reports on corn and contracts being purchased on corn. Give me a second. I'm still trying to. I think maybe your instinct is something that you should probably be, you know, playing with in your head. 
they reported revenues. Uh, they basically did very much so in-line guidance, so they're not expecting anything dramatic this year. They reported earnings 12 cents better than expected. Revenues fell 8.7% year over year. Company noted that USDA's final environmental impact statement concluded Monsanto's Roundup ready two times extend soybeans in Bullard should be fully deregulated. Gross profit for the 2015 first quarter also decreased over the prior year due to by about 1.4 billion. The decline in gross profit is in the quarter is due largely to lower planted acres for corn in South America and cotton in Australia. Combined with the timing shift as the company moves more of its agricultural productivity businesses to branded product sales that historically occur more in the third quarter. Um, they have lowered seeds and genomics segment. Expectation of lower global corn acreages. The seeds and genomics gross profit growth percentage of the year is now expected to be more in line in high single digits. Let's see. One last thing I could try to take a look at. It's expensive. You know, it's trading at 18 times next year's earnings. Um, the dividend is small, but it's there. Uh, it looks like it should have problems getting above this area right here, 125, and it has had an amazing run since October of last year, going from 105 up to 125, roughly. Um, your call, but it's certainly expensive, and it's certainly done what you expected it to. The bad news, like lower corn acreages, are already built into those numbers, so keep that in mind. Uh, sorry I don't have more time on it. You kind of caught me at the last segment. Thanks for the call. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't forget I'm going to be doing a webinar tomorrow night. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. The webinar is tied towards income in retirement. And uh, tomorrow night from 6.30 to 8. Um, income in retirement, how to set up your portfolio correctly so that, you know, you do well in retirement and you know, some of the hedges and some of the ways to play portfolio structure will be discussed. You can sign up at robblack.com. Taking a quick look at the live market action. We've gotten better as the day went along. Uh, Fed Chair Janet Yellen continues her two-day testimony with an appearance before the House Financial Services Committee. Um, strength in consumer discretionary, financials, industrials, weakness in consumer staples, healthcare, technology, and utilities. Um, so it's a little bit of watch yelling kind of thing. Not the most exciting day. Uh, when your big story is American Express raising uh, what they're going to charge you for using the credit cards. Interesting. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.